Hi, and welcome to the Writing Guys podcast, where we help writers get inside a guy's head by answering burning questions on how men think. I'm Lancey McCall, today's moderator, and our hosts are Michael Aspen and C.T. Andrews. Hello. Hello. Today's listener question is, how can a woman write a man without feminizing him? I guess without writing him like a woman. Mm. Mm, good question. Um, I don't know who's going to go first. Do you want to go first, CT? Um, I don't know which one of us is going to be polite. <laughs> <laughs> Men use the F word a lot in their homes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, I'll, I'll, I'll go, I suppose. Right. My, my, first, my first inkling is to say, um, forgive me for sounding crass, but that's, well, that's a stupid question. <laughs> because um, um, because <laughs> it seems so, so easy to write a man without feminizing him. Now, remember, this is my first inkling. Because if I give it just two seconds more thought, I have to reflect on myself and go, you know, I often wonder if my female characters are going to sound too much like a man. Mm. So therefore, I have to give this question its, its due. It's, you know, I have to give it its credibility. Um, so um, I don't know how. I'd have to give it some thought. But I just wanted to throw that thought on the table first. Michael, you go. Oh, I got ideas. Uh, I got all kinds of ideas. So first of all, we were talking before the recording started about how women, how men can write women better. And one of the pieces of advice that's given most often is um, women don't think about their boobs, right? So like, if you write a character that's thinking about their boobs, that's not what a woman does. Uh, men are thinking about your boobs all the time, like yeah. all the time, <laughs> right? So that's number one. Um, uh, heterosexual men. Uh, I can't speak for what gay men think because I'm not gay, but um, so heterosexual men are thinking about women's bodies and sexual experience, or not experience, um, sexuality like all the time. And it is something that is never far from our thoughts when we're talking to somebody. Um, the, the second part of that is, is that uh, on the sexual part of it is that um, men uh, do think about their own sexual organs often and often uninvitedly, right? Um, the, <laughs> the, the part of the male anatomy that is uh, involved with that oftentimes will jump into a conversation or into your brain without your invitation and it will barge its way in and sometimes take over. So uh, that's a very different, I think, compared to women. And then um, I think a third one is that men are often very, I don't want to say competitive. I mean, that's true. They are typically more competitive, not always, but um, they're, they, they do often do more of a measuring type of thing. Um, I, think, I think women do that too, but in a different way. So men are like measuring success. Usefulness is a really good term to think about when you're writing about a man and thinking about other men. If, if a guy is, if a guy is looking at another guy is just a useless waste of space, that's one of the worst things he can think about somebody. When he sees somebody who is being very productive or somebody who is being very 
um, helpful or something like that to the team. A good team player has a, has a, in his lane, and he's very good at his lane. Um, those are things that typically are very positive thoughts that a man has about another man. So if, if um, use, usefulness is a very good gauge of how men think of other men, right? Um, how good you are at your job, how good you are at making money, how good you are at being a family man or taking care of what needs to be taken care of. These are measures by which we kind of gauge each other. So those are some inside, inside ball thoughts on that topic. Yeah, I, I would say... I would say when it comes to, I never think about my little buddy uh, un, unless it is in the context of say the date that I set up last night with the girl I'm going out with this Friday or this Saturday. If I'm thinking about it in that context about ooh the possibilities and what could happen, then I'll think about my little buddy, but it's never without the context context of thinking about my little buddies little buddies on the other side, yeah. you know what I mean? And so it's never just me wandering down the sidewalk thinking about, you know, my schlong and how it feels in my pants and <laughs> you know, going down. It's, it's not like that. Um, but yes, I do have to say, admittedly, uh, he is on my mind from time to time, unlike mm -hmm. a woman's breasts. Apparently, they never think about their boobs. So in writing a, or in not feminizing a, a male character, um, I suppose you could keep what, what Michael just said in mind uh, as well, you know, on that, from, that in, from that testimony. Yes, we think about the usefulness of the people around us. That is true. I like this person's either useful and good and yay, I'm glad to be around this person or this person is not useful or good. And no, I don't want to be around this person anymore. So you can think about it in that way. And on the more sexual perverted side, you can think about it like they, we think about our schlongs a bit more than the women do, which is to say, how do you put that in, in written, you know, in a, a narrative form so that it's not, it doesn't change the genre, so to speak. Uh, but if you can find that, if you can find that out, if you can discover that, then that's a good way of, you know, not feminizing your male character. And well, and to add on to that, I, I would agree that um, I'm not like if I'm just walking down through my day, I'm not thinking about my my little friend. Um, but there have been times where a woman has been dressed a certain way or is or is physically attractive to the point where it just completely sabotages everything going on in my head. And my little friend makes an appearance and, and yeah. I'm like, well, now I'm thinking about it. Right. I mean, and there was, I mean, it completely hijacks everything that you've got going on. You're just like, you're to, to, to use CTs now. It's like, da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. That's all yeah. I can think about now. Right. That, that does require stimulation, though, some outside yeah. stimulation, a, vis yeah. a visual. It's almost like saying we're not thinking about our little buddies. Our little buddies are thinking about us. First. <laughs> yeah. and then we're like, ah, there you are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and, yeah. <laughs> just to narrow the focus a little bit uh, when we talk about writing the male character without making him sound like a woman. 
especially if you're a female writer. Um, what about in situations where men are dealing with emotions or things that you typically associate with women, right? What about those situations where, how do you write him without, how do you make him sound like a man while dealing with something that is typically seen as a feminine response? Yeah. Um, I, okay. First of all, I'm glad that you asked that question because I don't want to make the episode about the sexual parts of being the internalized sexual parts of being a man. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's 3% of writing a, a male character. Um, to answer your question, Lancey, I think, I think that a good place to start and is in the dialogue of the character in order to make a male's dialogue, a male character's dialogue sound male. Um, there is it's a good place to start is with a brusqueness, a directness, almost a shortness to how he would respond to any situation as opposed to how a woman or a female character might respond. Now, I'm not saying that it has to be like that in the final draft, because as we have already talked, writing is rewriting. But in the first draft, just make it, punch it with as much mammal, uh, mammalian isn't the right word, as much male, male-ishness as you, as you can. And so that you, even as the writer, start to understand the character a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. So when it comes time to rewrite it and polish that dialogue and make it more character-driven as opposed to gender-driven, you, you have a good place to start. But I think that I think that would work um, because it sort of does highlight the difference in how a male would respond to a situation versus a female. Michael, yeah. do you have anything to add? Oh, I do. I have I have quite a bit. Um, typically, a traditional male character and and a very difficult thing for men to overcome is this this like call to stoicism amongst men. It's it's not commonly accepted. It's more so now than it ever has been, but it definitely is um, it's still a thing uh, that a stoic response to emotion is the appropriate response, right? That just kind of a glacial kind of reaction. Um, mm -hmm. And even still, men amongst men almost never use the word feel, right? You're making me feel belittled. You're making me feel like I don't have a choice. You're making me feel, no, 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 no. You're not giving me a choice is the way a man would say it. Not, you You make me feel like I have no choice. No, 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 no. They don't say feel. We don't, we, we, uh, we express our concerns and our feelings in more action-oriented dialogue and attitudes than emotion-centered dialogue and, and, and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. It's like, uh, instead of saying, I feel like that hurts, let's say. Yeah. Maybe a male character would say, I think that hurts. Yeah. And that's, that, cool. that takes the emotional feel aspect and trades it for a more sort of logical brain sort of aspect, if you want. Cerebral. It's more cerebral than emotional. Just little, any, anywhere where you can find little, little tidbits like that uh, yeah. would help, I think. I think it almost, it sounds like you guys are almost saying uh, the, the male characters are probably going to be more direct and less passive. You know, you um, see a lot of women try yeah, to stop love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, except in except in the case where they tend to, if they do need to fend it off, it's almost off always with humor. 
So to take mm -hmm. CT's example of both brusqueness and to, and when I was talking about more action, uh, let's say that somebody, somebody comes in and they, they attack you in some way. You could go, that fucking hurt, right? And now you're angry or you're, you're defensive or you're, you're admitting that you've been damaged, whatever. Or you go, oh, yeah, that hurt. That's almost the exact same dialogue, but now you're blowing it off, right? Or, you know, if somebody makes a verbal attack to you, you can turn to them and go, well, that hurt. And that's kind of funny, right? So, but in all three cases, you're, you're admitting that it hurt, but you are finding different ways to deflect away from the fact that it hurt. You're either going on the offensive, you're making a joke, you're, you almost never admit that you've had the pain other than like that you're not truly admitting it you're like fake admitting it yeah. because admitting that you've lost or that you have pain is a is a sign of weakness and weakness is probably strength is probably another really good like cornerstone word for men usefulness strength um because to show weakness is uh well it shows you're weak right and weakness is not something men men will real respect amongst other men so typically the weak are shunted off and ignored and treated as if they're they don't matter and in the male world they probably don't so yeah yeah so another question that came to mind when you you guys were talking um michael you mentioned about how men think when measuring other men and they think in terms of usefulness and stuff like that and ct expanded it to other people are there particular ways that they measure women around them? Yeah, but it's not the same criteria. And so? <laughs> not always the same criteria. I'll put it that way. Not always. <clears throat> I, would, I would add one other thing about, the, about what we were just talking about before we jump into this, which is men have very deep, powerful emotions, but they're not always, the same ones are not always important to men as they are for women, oh. right? Um, and the ones that are important to men are emotions that typically revolve around what we're, what we're talking about here. Those are very powerful things. So to a woman, they may think, well, that's not a big, important thing, but to the guy it is right. So, um, but anyway, CT looked like he might have an answer and I want to let him answer if he's got one on the, how do we view usefulness or whatever in women? I'm not exactly oh, I, I, no, I didn't have an answer. I was, I was uh, looking contemplative again. And most of the time uh, people mistake that for knowledge and wisdom. It's not, it's straight contemplation. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, yes, we absolutely measure women. Or, let me, let me rephrase that. I absolutely measure women uh the same way in 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 a way that in the same way that i measure men but there are different type like like michael said there are different types of uh criteria there's different criteria um if you want to masculinize or avoid feminizing a male character uh know who that male character is talking to in the book hmm. because that male character like everybody really is going to talk to different characters in different ways. And that's a, a, understanding that relationship is a wonderful way to understanding how to masculinize that character. Um, um, I, I think that men talk to women differently than women talk to women. Yeah. Am I right, Michael? You're nodding yeah, your head. 
I cannot nod any more aggressively. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but that's, that's a, that's a really good way to know how to keep a man, a male character, uh, male, male. Yeah. One manager. of the, one of the things that I find fascinating is how much easier it is to talk about certain things with women than it is with men and vice versa. Um, one of the things that I think a lot of women have, um, and I and I think to a certain degree, rightfully so, brought under attack that was a real bastion for men was the men's club, a place where men could go be around men in a very genteel type of place and no women were allowed. The downside of that was that was a source of power for men, right? Men could make deals and keep women locked out of the power brokering that happened there. So I'm not saying that we, should, I'm not advocating we should go back to that necessarily, but I can understand the appeal. There are things that you can talk about with other men that you can't really talk about around women and vice versa. There are things you can talk about with women that you really can't talk around other men about. So knowing your audience is a, is a very important knowing the audience of the person who's speaking is a very important measure because, because we do talk differently. And they give, to give an example, if you're working in a, if you're working and you've got a coworker and it's a female coworker and you are talking to her, you might be able to tell her problems about like your home life or something where you're, you're struggling, but you don't have anybody you can confide in and not necessarily in an effort to try and, and drive a wedge between you and your spouse or to try and develop some sort of relationship where you're trying to cheat, but just because they're going to understand potentially better than a guy would. A guy's going to be like, well, you just need to go and get her flowers or whatever, right? He may not give any useful commentary, but by the same token, let's say there is a woman that is flirting with you hard at work and you don't want to cheat going to your male friend and be like, dude, I got this girl and she is coming on to me and I am struggling. That is something that only another guy, you're, you're only really going to feel comfortable talking to another guy, a really close guy friend about and helping work through that problem. Your wife wouldn't understand necessarily because she's probably going to, you know, who is she? Right. You know, and you can't necessarily talk to another woman at the office for fear of it getting back to the person, you know, you're, you've got, it's, it's a delicate balance there. And, you, and so who you're talking to, I'm just expanding on CT's excellent point, who you're talking to as the guy character is very important. Yeah, yeah I mean, it really, you guys honestly have given some really good advice in my opinion about just know your character and know how they're going to be around other, you know, what their relationship and how they're going to be around other characters. And I love that. That's really good stuff. And it applies, honestly, to both men and women characters, to all your characters, alien, whatever the case is. Sure. Yeah, um, there's, uh, you know, we've, we've heretofore been talking about how to, how to handle these kinds of things with characters in terms of dialogue. But outside the dialogue, you've got the narrative. You know, how does how does that your how did how would a male character stand against a wall? They what do male characters do that female characters wouldn't do? Like, um, I think I, without being uh, universal in my in my uh, what I'm about to say, you know, males tend to cross their feet as opposed to their knees 
Uh, males lean on walls with one elbow, you know, like this. They'll sit with that elbow up like this, you know. Maybe they'll loop their thumbs into their belts. Like, think of all the little things that your character- they spread their legs wide when they sit. Yeah, they spread like, like this, you know. <laughs> They spread their legs. Yeah, they manspread, if you want to call it manspreading, which is an insulting term. But but uh, think of all of these little bitty nuanced things that that men and women do and how to differentiate between the two genders when it comes to writing a male character to avoid feminizing them. Um, I think you could probably make it very clear that this person is a male character just by having him stand on the steps with one foot higher than the other and one, one elbow leaned on a knee maybe, or something like that. Like men do, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. more so than women. In the Captain sailor Morgan Harry pose. <laughs> what? I said the Captain Morgan pose. Yeah. I said Morgan Sailor pose. Jerry pose. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There you go. You know, I, uh, I, way back in the day I took, um, I was actually a theater major in college. And uh, one of the concepts that we learned that I have never heard since, nor have I found it in the dictionary. So I'm wondering if it wasn't just proprietary to this particular do uh, doctor of theater that I had. It was called find your character's justice, spelled like justice with only with an E, find their justice. And what that defined was the physical manner in which this person can exist in a single moment that dispels their entire character. Like Indiana Jones is going to sit in a chair much differently than, oh, I don't know, uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins character, some, some character by Sir, Sir Anthony Hopkins. You know, find that justice. How, how do they s lay in bed, sit in a bathtub? How do they walk downstairs? And, and if you understand those things about your male character, you'll probably be inside his male head. Yeah, you made me think of the phrase, how do they wear their skin? Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. How do they wear their skin? Yeah. Yeah. And, and think about their skin. Is it rough? Because if it's rough or smooth or supple or whatever, then you'll begin to understand how it is that they operate, you know, a little bit more. It's like, you know. That is, that is really good. Yeah, that's um, excellent. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Um, one of the things I was thinking of while you were talking in a, that is a non sequitur from what you were talking about is um, in action, men typically take more risks. They, they are definitely riskier. Um, and um, they're not, not only are they not good at assessing risk, they naturally are drawn to risk in a, in a weird way. Oh, um, yeah. We, it's it's weird it's like moths to a flame and that's i think that's why teenage boys do so many ungodly stupid stuff oh yes <laughs> because like yeah. the hormones are raging and they're like i can't not go ride my bicycle off the roof of this garage i can't do it <laughs> <laughs> yes so, hey y'all watch this yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's don't don't ever give a male character in a story and uh, the the option to do something or not. Yeah. yeah, they will always do it. They will always do it. Yeah, that sounds like a hold my beer story. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, what is that? Explain that to me. Oh, hold, hold, my, beer. My, oh, yeah, hold my beer. Yeah. Watch it. yeah, yeah, yeah. If if a guy ever utters the words, I'll bet you my 
my shoes are fireproof. It's time to cut off the alcohol. It's, <laughs> go home, it's over. So, uh, but yeah, but even, even once we become more mature and adults, risk is something that we, we want to go buck the odds. We think we can. We think that we're that one in a million that can make it work. Um, and it's, it's not just like with a gambling addiction kind of thing. It's, it's a deeper seated thing. You're like, you know, well, like all three of us are wanting to be writers. We're trying to buck the odds in that particular case. This very small percentage make money writing books. So, and in my case, I'm like, I think I got a formula that will be successful. I probably don't, but I'm taking that particular risk, right? That's why men tend to be more entrepreneurial. That's why men will make those statements that uh, people look back at and go, wow, he really kind of went out on a limb, right? This is, this is part of what drives a man as he's willing, he, he'll look at a situation and he'll think of a risky move. And I go, oh yeah, I think I can pull that off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he'll go try. And if he fails, eh, you know, I'll try again. So. Yeah, and you can take that same concept into uh, um, or even more literal areas, like uh, oh, like like a male character might say, "That's not cancer," you know, or he might go, "It's not broken," you know, yeah. not me. Not me. I can handle it. This, you know, it might be that would that would be a broken arm for someone else, but not me. me. You know, or you know, you name it. Like, oh God, we're so stupid. (laughs) I don't know. The the male brain thinking manifests itself with the guy driving down the road with his arm out the top of the car, holding the mattress to the roof. Yeah. If he saw somebody doing, they were like, what kind of moron is going to be able to hold the mattress down to the roof of the car? But when it's your mattress on your roof in your car, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not only that, but you're brilliant. I I didn't even need any ratchet straps. I got this. I got it. Yeah. So I guess, I guess men like to learn the hard way. Yeah. it feels like you guys are saying you like to men like to prove themselves and so sometimes they just give them give them like crazy tasks to try to accomplish that oddly enough it's not usually other guys giving them the task it's them coming up with it's like they're one up in each one upping each other (laughs) there was a scene in a in the show called that 70s show where they're they're like i just want to go do something stupid and this one character says i got an idea and they end up dropping a bowling ball onto the couch to see how high it'll bounce. And of course, uh, like as a guy, I'm sitting there going, yeah, that makes sense. And of course they drop the bowling ball, it bounces funny and lands on the television and breaks the television set. And they're like, well, who could have seen that coming? <laughs> and that's, that's so, I mean, you're just kind of like they, when somebody postulates let's drop a bowling ball on a couch and see how high it bounces. Like every guy in the room is like, yeah, I wonder. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds kind of cool. I wonder how high it would bounce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and if, if the bowling ball bounces well, Oh yeah. The way it's intended to bounce. They're going to find something bigger than a bowling ball. You right. know, let's find, let's, let's see if the TV bounces properly now, or let's find, you know, whatever. Oh Just yeah. We're taking the stupid. Yeah. The what? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was thinking, yeah, let's take it to the next level. Right? Yeah, exactly, let's take it to the next level, you know. 
I wonder if shape makes a difference. Let's get a watermelon. <laughs> oh. oh, guys. Well, uh, we're almost almost to our 30-minute mark. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts or closing statements? Mm. You know how I get into get inside a male character's head that I want to write? Um, I love... I love the uh, Hollywood icon, the male Hollywood icons of the past, like the, the 40s and the 50s, like the Earl Flynn's and the Cary Grant's. And because those guys, to me, if, if you if you want, they always had some sort of stoicism is the wrong word, but it was a very almost cocksure mission that they were always on, whether they knew it or not, or, or whether it was visible or not, there was nothing about them that was doubted, that you could doubt. And I always appreciate that about those, you know, and you even see it in like the Harrison Fords of today. Um, um, but uh, that's, I, I respect and appreciate that mindset. And I try to get into that mindset because that is the arena of manliness as far as I'm concerned. And if you can tap into that, even on your own terms, as a writer, you'll probably spit out some pretty good male characters. I think you all are gonna think my answer is gonna indicate that this is a scripted show um, because I have a very similar response as my final thought. Um, and it's not scripted, I swear to God. Half the times we don't even know what we're gonna talk about until somebody tells us. Um, I think, I think another really key word that you can use to define men is that they're driven. Um, all, well, a lot of them are, uh, they're driven. They are oftentimes very focused. They, they tend to want to achieve something and they will work hard to achieve it. Um, and they, they especially like goal oriented things, things they can assign a goal to. I remember reading about ways to get men interested in church. This was a book I was reading um, way back in, in the day. And um, they said one of the reasons why uh, men struggle with church is because they don't have any well-defined goals for the men to achieve. It's just show up every week and pray and sing and listen to the sermon. Well, okay, well, that's, that's monotonous. That's boring. But if you say, we want you guys to go out and build a, a playground outside Oh yeah, I got tools and oh yeah, 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 yeah. And now they've got a specific goal. We need it done by two weekends from now. Oh, I'm on it. And they'll jump in there and they will drive to that deadline and they will make it happen. Um, so there that goal-oriented driven personality is is a motivator for men. And it makes it easy for us to have, like, I think, I think that's one of the big reasons why women feel so let down after they get into a relationship with the guys, because the guy's goal was to get you. Once you say yes, he's achieved the goal, right? No longer requires the effort, but uh, a relationship does require effort and it requires a considerable amount, but a relationship isn't an easily defined goal. It's an ongoing period of existence with a person. It's a lot harder for a guy to wrap his mind around that. So that's a that's another way to think about how men think. We really like easily defined goals and targets, or at least targets that can be identified that we can drive towards. It's a very appealing thing for us. Okay. That, that's it. All right. Well, 
that concludes this episode of Writing Guys. If you have a question you would like answered about how men think, visit writingguys.net and click on the button to ask us a question. And be sure to like, follow, or subscribe to the Writing Guys podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you next week. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.